everyone. Welcome back to Fun Facts. This is episode six. We're going to call it People Are Just Humans. My name is Amy Agenbaugh. My co-host is... Carrie Strickland. And our guest this week is... Ben... Last name. <laughs> ben, last name. <laughs> Sorry, no, I was like, Agenbaugh, that's a really cool... Okay, Anderson. My last that's name. <laughs> I was just really impressed with your last name. Like, it's it's really fun to say, Agenbaugh. Thanks. Thanks. It's um, fun to say, not as easy to, well, it's actually easy to spell, but people find it intimidating. But nice. um, I count I'm my real friends a... as those who can, what? I'm here to be a general distraction and annoy people. <laughs> That's okay. I count my real friends as people who can um, spell my name without asking me to help them. So it's a good, it's a good bar for that. Um, nice. Anyway, so Ben, thank you so much for joining us. We're really glad you're here. What makes you awesome? Uh, I have a lot of board games, and I play a lot of board games, and board games are awesome. Okay, cool. What games do you have? How many? Mm-hmm. Like 102 or something. Wait, let me check wow. my spreadsheet. I use a lot of, I, I, I have a lot of spreadsheets. Yeah, Why do you need a, a lot of spreadsheets? Why do you need a spreadsheet to organize your board games? To like, to track how much I spend on them. I thought oh, it would slow okay, me down. Reasonable. I was like, maybe if I actually like could see how much I'm wasting uh, my money on these, then I would stop doing it. But it just kind of turned it into a little game. So, like, because <laughs> there's these great sites where you can like sell and buy board games. So I'm trying to keep my collection cold at a hundred, like one in, one out. Yeah. Oh. So a hundred. Yeah. Well, I'm. I have a few to get rid of this week actually well good luck with that god you sound so bored right now just because I'm talking I'm so <laughs> sorry, sorry. I'm, so... I'm like, not bored why did Carrie invite this person <laughs> no I'm sorry I sounded bored I'm not bored whatsoever <laughs> no but let's move into uh, um, we'll move into well, do you want to talk more about your board games now I feel rude no, oh, don't, I feel don't rude because please do not ask me. <laughs> okay, I'm... all right, all right, all right. I don't know. I've never... Okay, I've never been on a podcast before, so I probably screwed this whole thing up. I'm sure you guys are very professional. <laughs> That's okay. That's and okay. I am not that. Yeah, I mean, it's it's what like five thousand hours to become a professional at something, and we've been doing this for like six hours. So. Yeah, we've got a ways 10, to go. Thousand hours. It is ten thousand. It's ten thousand hours. We've got a couple years ahead of us. Anyway. All right, let's get to business. We have a little bit of business this week. We are now, or we as in Fun Facts, the podcast, we are now on Facebook and Twitter. Both of those, it's very easy to remember. You can find us at Fun Facts Podcast. So please like us and follow us and comment and tweet at us, and that'll be fun. Participate. I'm excited about that. We are also relatively soon about to have a website. We basically have a website, but we're kind of forced into delaying the publication of it because mainly due to unnecessary technical complications that I brought upon myself. But I'll let you know when our, when our website is live as well. And one last piece of business. We now have episode chapters. For those of you that recommended I chunk up this podcast into some way where people can skip around through, through certain segments, we do have chapters that will allow you to do that. However, there's a catch. The chapters only function when you're listening directly via our hosting service, which is called Spreaker, like speaker with an R in the middle of it. 
You can either listen through our Spreaker site, which is linked to those social channels that I just named on Facebook and Twitter, or if you want to listen on your phone, you can download Spreaker Podcast Radio, which is an app, and just search for our show, and then on that app you can you can skip ahead in the chapters and it will start you right at the beginning of our topics. Eventually you'll also be able to listen to our podcast via chapters on our website once it's live. So whatever, I set all that up this weekend and it makes me happy because basically we're just like this American life now. <laughs> because we they release American life. <laughs> exactly. We're very much on par with them. Because that's how they, they release the full hour on iTunes, but then if you go to their website, they have acts. So you can basically find the same thing currently at the moment, but especially in a few weeks once we have our website up. Anyway, uh, heads up on that. Now, let's get to our topics. Carrie, what's your topic this week? So my topic is Beauty and the Beast, because of course I was going to watch it opening weekend. So specifically, the backlash against the movie because of its quote-unquote exclusively gay moment and then how we deal with LGBT representation in film. Great. Ben, what are you talking about? Uh, handicap accessibility. Cool. In my gaming hobby, I tend to frequent a lot of stores, and uh, some of my friends are wheelchair-bound, and I've seen how companies' entrances and choices that they make really can make a difference. That's... That's great. That's probably a blind spot of mine, so I'll be glad to have that conversation with you. Um, And my topic is diplomacy under Trump. My question is, um, well, we had a couple state visits this past week, but the Irish state visit in particular had a couple of silly gaffes in it on our behalf. And my question is, how much do the little things matter in diplomacy, and how do those little things maybe impact the big things? Obviously, I'll elaborate. Uh, once we get into the topic. But Carrie, let's go ahead and start with yours. So, Ben, have you actually seen Beauty and the Beast yet? There is all this time. <laughs> the, have no. You seen the... okay. No, I haven't. Okay. I haven't seen... seen... <laughs> I, I'm suddenly regretting my topic. <laughs> I mean, you've seen the original, right? Seen the original. Yes, yeah, yeah, I've seen the original. Mm-hmm. And you remember yeah. the gay candlestick or whatever it is. Was he gay in the original? Uh, he, there's a lot of debatable there was things. and discussion around that. He is not gay in the modern adaption. And by the modern adaption, I mean the one that came out this weekend. So this is, um, I mean, I will say that there was discussion about Lumiere and Cogsworth, so the candlestick and the clock in the original. Um, but this is not that. In, in this adaption, they both played as straight men. Although the clock is played by Ian McKellen, who of course is not straight. Mm-hmm. But this is specifically about LeFou, who is kind of the little cartoonish sidekick to Gaston. You could argue in the original he was pretty gay. Disney has never had an openly gay character, aside from if you get into all the franchises that Disney owns, technically some of the Marvel characters are gay. Well, but you mean uh, a gay character in a full-length feature Mm-hmm. Yeah, just full-length feature film. Yeah, not like on the Disney Channel. No, they had gay people no. for a while. Yeah, um, and okay. so so a lot of it's been subtext. Um, but this, and we can get into the discuss whether this is still subtext. Although they're calling it an exclusively gay moment, right? Um, they're essentially making Lafu gay in the modern adaption. What that really means for those of you who haven't seen the movie, I would say I'm going to spoil it, but 
honestly, they didn't add too much, so I'm not spoiling that much. So the only changes that they made is in the song where he's singing about Gaston, they put a little more nudge and wink into that song. And then in the final scene in the movie, when everyone's dancing and they're playing the credits and they're playing that Beauty and the Beast song, there's about a two-second shot of him dancing with a man. And there's also a moment, like I said, I haven't seen it, but I read a lot about the specific quote-unquote controversy. Mm -hmm. Um, There's a moment where Gaston asks LeFou, why don't you have a girlfriend? And LeFou says, like, he just kind of brushes off the question. Right, right. And there are a couple of those moments that are a little more obvious, I would say, like, at some point... LeFou like wraps his arms around Gaston and pretends to hug him and like it goes on a little too long and then at some times LeFou is saying like why can't you and I just be together rather than you being with a woman Um, but but they're still very underplayed I would say does Gaston express like discomfort or is he just like no this is my cool friend um I mean Gaston is as a character supposed to be an asshole yeah Um, so he he does express discomfort but not as much as he he's, doesn't express homophobia, I guess. All right. All right. Good on Gaston. Yeah. Although, like, good on well, Gaston, but... <laughs> I guess good on Disney for, for making it be like, I'm not into you, but I'm not afraid of you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm just an and... asshole to everyone. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I feel like that's just a generally okay, like, place to be at. It's like, oh, yeah, it's just everyone sucks. Yeah. Right? <laughs> um, and there, there was, you know, a lot of diversity in the casting as well. That actually surprised me more than this, I guess, gay moment, is that probably about a half the cast is black. And if you think oh. back in that time period in France, not that I'm questioning it, I'm sure they had historians look through this, but the, the preacher in the village is black. And I don't think that they, France was that accepting at that point in time. So that, that surprised me. Yeah, that surprised me more than... Disney supposedly taking this hardline foam stand in support of LGBT representation, which I didn't really see. And that's kind of the the focus of this topic is how should Disney be representing and how should film in general be representing LGBT characters and in what impact did this does this film have in that context? Because there haven't there hasn't been an openly gay character in that whatever I said before, Disney feature-length animated film. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's been quite a few villains who were written as a wink and nod gay character. Like, like Hades? Like Hades, like Jafar. Um, Ursula's based on a drag queen. Wasn't Scar from The Lion King, like, maybe? Yeah, yeah. They all have that sort of cartoonishly effeminate man the affectation that you would associate with gay men. Which, that seems like a problem, if it's yeah. the, only the villains, and they're... Exactly, which which is the problem I had with this movie, that of all the people they could have made gay... Good point. They chose LeFou, who arguably, in the original, was still super gay. Um, <laughs> but they're, they're also choosing to make their first foray into into this kind of representation through the guise of a bumbling idiot and abusive relationship. So. But I think the ca- well, an abusive relationship because he's obsessed with Gaston, and Gaston is like and Gaston is terrible. Yeah, yeah, friend zone. Yeah, <laughs> but then, oh, wait, it's Gaston. Is it enemy zone at that point? Yeah, I mean, there's there's something that happens in the film that I'm not going to say because that actually is a spoiler. Hmm. Where Lafu kind of puts his foot down with Gaston, but you're still making your first gay character 
an idiotic, bumbling person who takes crap from other people. And also, when, especially in a movie like this, where you basically have a gay archetype in the candlestick and the clock, like, they could just be gay. Right, and that's a much healthier relationship, right? Yeah. But I guess the counter is, because, like, what I'm, my, my answer to your question of gay representation in anything is that the title of our show, People Are Just Humans, like, just make them be humans, in which case some assholes are gay, like, sometimes. Mm-hmm. So it's sort of, like, equal opportunity. Your gay character can be any person in the movie. But I think the problem is the fact that it's this pattern of... It's this pattern of, of gay, or, you know, subtext gay villains, and that directly, well, not, yeah, it directly comes out of uh, effeminate men being villains is not just a Disney trope. Like, mm-hmm. that comes out of the 50s, like, think of, like, I can't think of a good example, but, um, like, I think the Maltese Falcon. Yeah, there's a, there's a gay character in that. Yeah, and he's totally evil and very, very, like, there's all sorts of, a play with this cane that he kind of rubs in a very suggestive way. Like, it's very, very much, that's a creepy gay dude. So stop doing that, Hollywood. Right, and I, I guess that's the question, is I don't think that the answer is to necessarily blame Disney, because I'm happy that Disney is taking a stand, albeit years after every other animated animation studio is doing it. And I'm happy that, you know, there's all this backlash because of it, so it's currently not allowed in Malaysia. The film is not allowed in Malaysia. And Russia has said, has basically put an R rating on it. Um, so no one under 16 is allowed to go into the I film can't watch believe it. that. And Disney hasn't backed down and they haven't edited the film for those markets. And I think that in itself is a stronger stand than what's in the movie. That's a good point. My, my bigger concern with the representation is just you have like these young little... LGBT kids seeing representation of themselves for the first time in a Disney movie and it's not Disney's best foot forward. I guess that's my biggest complaint. Right. They're not singing and dancing and pretending to be Elsa. They're not, you know, walking on a log, swinging their mane like Simba. You know, there's not that, that proud like strongness to that character to identify with because that's what kids do they watch a movie a million times and then they go around repeating every single line of it right like i don't Mm -hmm. know do you have kids i have a niece (laughs) i'm actually thinking about i used to be a teacher ben and i'm thinking about a specific little boy that literally did know every word to frozen and i have no idea if that little boy was gay he was six but you know i know all the words of frozen so i mean (laughs) (laughs) but yeah yeah, no, that's absolutely right. And, you know, what is this going to cause now? Is it going to cause kids in the playground call, calling effeminate guys LeFou now? Is that what's going to come out of this? Well, maybe I'll get called LeFou because I'm pretty, I'm, I'm more effeminate than my wife is. I mean, <laughs> which is, I guess in context, that's kind of funny, tongue in cheek. <laughs> well, it makes me wonder, I'm trying to think about your point, Ben, of how kids... They will copy and repeat, especially if they love something. And I was going to say there's like, so kids pick up, especially little queer kids, like they pick up on difference because they're looking for a version of themselves in media, which is harder to find. So it's nice that subtext is becoming text. And is LeFou really so bad? I don't even remember him from the first movie. I, d- I don't think he's so bad. He's not a traditional villain. Um, he has redeeming characteristics. 
he's just kind of an idiot. Yeah, he's kind of comic relief, isn't he? I mean, if you're going to pick a type. Because you either have, like, a one-dimensional character or an actual story-based character. He's just kind of, oh, there's the guy with the big nose and the buck teeth. Which is fine. All animated movies need that, right? And Mm -hmm. the character that he dances with is a soldier, right? Is a soldier who, earlier on in the film, um, there's some... And again, a very short visual gag um, that suggests that he is transvestite. Because he's interested in the dresses, right? He's interested in the dresses, yeah. Because he fights with the wardrobe and it ends up dressed like a French gentlewoman and he he's kind of into it. But is the soldier otherwise soldiery? The soldier's otherwise soldiery. Mm-hmm. Well, again, that's good. Maybe that could be, like I said, LGBT representation should just be to to demonstrate to any human being that people can be who they are, however they are, and one type doesn't limit you to certain abilities. So you can like dresses and also like kick ass as a soldier. But that's such a that's a much smaller piece of the movie that a kid would it'd be more likely that you'd pick up on. Oh, you can be a sniveling little idiot and be gay, which is also true. Yeah. And I don't think in this movie LeFou is a sniveling little idiot. Like, he, he has a backbone. He's just played off for comic relief, I guess, to Ben's point. Mm-hmm. Like, he's the comic relief. It would be nice to move gay characters out of comic, comic relief and out of tragic and unexpected deaths, which is the role that they mostly play. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think we're, we're running out of time for this topic, but I guess to my last thought on it is that when they were originally talking about having a gay character, they mentioned it as a tribute to Ashman, who was the original composer of some of the, the songs in the original Beauty and the Beast, um, who actually, he was gay and he died of AIDS shortly oh. after the movie came out. You know, I don't, I don't know if that's a favorable remembrance of him, you know, making this foppish character to be, you know, a commemoration of Ashman. But in the song that he that LeFou sings about Gaston, certain emphasis that Josh Gad, and Josh Gad actually does a, a marvelous job with LeFou, some of the emphasis that he gives in that song makes me realize that that song is actually way gayer than I originally thought it was. There's, there's a lot of subtext to it. But do you remember any of it? I think some of it's the way he plays it, where it's like he could either, he could play it one way or two ways. But there's this one line that says, if you ask any Tom, Dick, or Harry, they'll tell you what team they prefer to be on. Oh. Yeah, that I thought was kind of funny. And is that the same song where Gaston is singing about his own body? Yes. And how, mm-hmm. yeah. So there's a whole lot of, I mean, it's, I'm thinking of Tom of Finland. Like, that's the, the body type that Gaston is. Yeah. Um, do you know those cartoons? Mm-hmm. They're not really cartoons. That's, they're more than cartoons. <laughs> they're more than cartoons. <laughs> Did I just see a wink, wink, and a nudge, nudge coming between you two? <laughs> well, Tama Finland is uh, an erotic illustrator, I guess. Like, basically, he draws leather daddies. Yeah, so I guess we'll somehow have to bring all of that back to <laughs> Gaston and LeFou. And, well, yeah, that song, I guess, might be gayer than I knew as a child. I didn't understand gayness for quite a long while. Mm-hmm. 
Although, I, you still wonder if kids today, even with the extra wink, wink, nod, nod, I still don't think they would pick up on it. Maybe not. But they'll probably pick up on, you know, like the two men dancing together or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Or the, the soldier that likes dresses. But yeah. basically, I mean, I don't, I'll let you summarize the topic, Carrie. Okay, so to wrap this up, I would say that it is maybe a B- minus for character representation, an A- minus for trying to be representative, and an A- plus for everyone keeping a straight face while it happened. Fair. I like it. Cool. Yeah. Thank you, Carrie. You're welcome. All right, Ben, go ahead. And I am curious, you said that you have friends that are uh, wheelchair-bound, so that's what got you interested in just kind of paying attention to accessibility issues? Yeah, uh, I mean, and to in general, I've been trying to do more reading about people groups that I just don't natively understand. I feel like doing a lot of that has just opened the way that I think lately. And so I was digging into uh, some of Zach Anner's videos. He's this absolutely hilarious YouTube personality. He wrote a book called If at Birth You Don't Succeed. (laughs) 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 Because he's just like, uh, what is, I'm like on the website right now. It says, he's botched in his own birth, entering the world with cerebral palsy in an uncertain future. Yeah, and I have a couple of friends and I don't, I don't know their exact conditions because I've never honestly cared to ask. I just mm-hmm. want to treat them like humans. And I think that Zach Anner is doing a lot. I think his one of his most popular videos is like the top 10 things you should know about people with cerebral palsy. And it's like, just talk to us. <laughs> um, and so this kind of sparked, I was having lunch at work with a new friend that I made through the board game club, actually. He reached out to us, and he's like, hey, I love board games. I'm going to come to the board game club. And I had I had set up a dexterity game. Uh, and if you're unfamiliar with the genre, it's this specific take on the dexterity format it has little wooden cowboys, and you have to flick these wooden bullets at the bad guys, or if you're the desperados, you flick it at the sheriff, trying to knock the wooden pieces over. And he's just like, oh, yeah, that kind of sucks, huh? <laughs> Because, like, he can't use his hands, right? And uh, he he can use them, but he can't make a flicking motion. I'm like, no, no, we got well, we got two games going. We got, I think we ended up playing three different tables that night. But yeah, so having lunch with him, just, like, he was shooting the shit with us. And it kind of clicked, you know? There's, there's only so much reading can do until you just get out and get to know people, right? So, I guess my topic is that, uh, was it this morning? I saw... This really great video being shared by the Cerebral Palsy Foundation of Zach Anners, where he <laughs> he goes around New York City trying to get a specific bagel. He wants a rainbow bagel, and he's staying in this hotel room in the main land, and this rainbow bagel store is in Manhattan. And he like pulls up the Google Maps, and it's like no, 20... I think it's in Brooklyn, right? Brooklyn, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know the difference between Brooklyn and Manhattan. And I actually <laughs> don't care. Like half the people in New York just had a seizure. I know there's, I know there's bridges between them. So I'm from Minnesota. Yeah. Uh, I would ahead. do my Sorry, worst. Ben. I would do my worst Minnesota accent right now, but I have a feeling I'm already doing it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um. I don't even have to make fun of myself. I'm just always comedy. Um, what was I talking about? Oh yeah, so like 
28 minutes via Google Maps to get there via tube, walking, you name it. And he starts out at 8 a.m. And it's like 30 minutes for him to get into the elevator. And it takes him to like 4 p.m. to get through it. So I thought that was a really good piece. And I thought we could bring that back to talking about like accessibility, like thinking about where you work, thinking about where you hang out. I really love the store uh, Lodestone Coffee and Games that just opened uh, near my work in Minneapolis. Like, my, my friend had no problem getting in and out of there, getting up to the tables, plenty of room to wheel around. Um, you know, and I was thinking about, well, there's this other store I play at where you've got to go upstairs and there's no elevator and the parking sucks if you're not handicapped. <laughs> there's not certainly any handicapped parking. So I guess I'll put it to you guys. What do you think of kind of the areas that you frequent and what can we do to improve our accessibility? I remember being aware or just realizing in the middle of college. So I, so I went to a very small liberal arts college. I studied art history and there was, (laughs) yeah. And there was literally like one art history classroom. All of my degree essentially took place in that classroom. So I love and have much affection for that classroom. That building, that classroom, yeah, that classroom was on the fourth floor of a building, which had an elevator, but <laughs> the elevator was super sketchy. I only took it a couple times because I just didn't trust it. I'm sure it was whatever certified, but it was very small. I don't know. I mean, I I never tried to fit a wheelchair in there, but it was a small elevator, kind of um, just worrisome in general. And the building itself required steps to get up to. And I just remember realizing at one point, like, how would I do this? if, if I couldn't walk. Um, so I remember noticing that in college and frankly, I don't have any idea if, if roads got any better at being accessible. Actually reminds me of a really funny part in the video I mentioned where after waiting a half hour for the elevator, he's like, well, the other elevators aren't full, so let's just go to those. But he has to go down like six stairs and so he literally just, like, jumps out of his chair and, like, slides down the stairs on his elbows. And then, like, the camera crew carried his wheelchair for him. And he got up the building. <laughs> Super awesome. He's just like, all right, this is life. This is the hand I was dealt. Let's do this. Well, I guess since then, I haven't... I guess I haven't really paid attention to accessibility. I'm thinking of my office now. We have elevators and stuff, so I guess you could get around. Yeah. What about you, Carrie? No, I think it's the same. I mean, honestly, this is a little shameful, but I haven't really thought about it. And it it's like, if it doesn't impact my life, it's not one of my daily concerns. How dare but, you. I know. But honestly, like, I can't look back and have a specific recollection of ever having that, like, oh my God moment of that you did that was like, oh, this is actually terrible or like, this is a bad system. But the only one I can think of is a friend of mine works at the Minneapolis Public Library, and they actually just got a building donated to them to host a new library center in. And so that's that's great and all, but the current building has no handicap access. And so it's actually going to cost the library system over a million dollars to install handicap access to that building. It's that, that trade-off of, like, we've got this building that's a great gift, but we're not just going to leave it the way it is. It's that's unfair and so now we have to fundraise to be able to support the building that we've just been given it's like getting a toy for christmas and they don't give you the batteries with it and then you have to like go to the store but they're all closed so you can't even play with a toy till tomorrow 
which which is a whole thing in nonprofits that I think is an entirely different discussion about being conscientious with what you donate and is it going to be more expensive for the person than it would have been to just buy the thing in the first place I can't believe that we don't this is this is part of why a regulatory environment should exist that we don't that we can approve multi-million dollar buildings and just forget that people aren't literally aren't able to open the doors of those buildings and I know in it was an old mansion so it was somebody's family house from back in the 18 somethings and so I'm not entirely surprised that it didn't have right well that's understandable but like we'll build new um actually there's a that show speechless on ABC which I don't actually watch and it granted it's fiction but it's based on a story of a, a real life and um I think they like moved the family the pilot episode the family is moving schools because the school can't serve the the son that has cerebral palsy well enough so they're going to this new school because it supposedly serves them better and that school doesn't have a ramp <laughs> and, um i don't know if that is an actual fact of life but i i do have this vague recollection that that's a true story from the family that they're you know consulting when they write this script so even conscientious entities that are prepared to serve children or people that have different abilities like forget to put ramps in actually my own grandpa um so he passed away several years ago but he was he uh about 20 years ago he designed and built his like retirement home basically in the middle of missouri where my family has that farm that i've mentioned and <laughs> he was super smart about it every door in the in the house can fit wheelchairs i mean the, both of my grandparents up grandpa up until he died and my grandma still are able-bodied but they had like a special shower put in so that if they weren't one day, like that it would be easier. They would just be built into the house. And he did all of that. And then you had to walk up at least three sets of stairs to get into any door. He just completely <laughs> forgot about ramps. Oh my God. <laughs> and then that when he ended up... No, go ahead. No, you. No, then when he got ill and it was just hard to get around, he had to not build his own ramp at that point, but he. He had to buy a ramp and fit it into his house. So I understand, like, even super thoughtful non-public entities just forget a, about something simple like that. Yeah, you actually reminded me, I have a, a good friend who built his own house, like, bought a plot of land and built it. And he designed the whole thing around the idea that his, and I forget which was still alive, but mother or father would be moving in with him someday. And honestly, like, going over there is just weird. Like, you get this just odd sense that everything's so open. Like, why is this doorway so large? Like, why is the toilet situated like this? And I constantly am finding myself being like, oh, this is what it would be like if, you know, like, a house was actually built accessibly or the buildings that I frequent were actually accessible. It's just this weird, like, scratch in the back of my head when I'm there. Like, why is it like, why is it like this? Why is it like that? Right. And frankly, it's, it's, it's odd, something that I'm good at or keen on or aware of, and I don't think really any of us are. Right, and it's one of those things where it makes you... I used to do this thing when I was a kid where I would lay upside down on my bed and I'd imagine if I had to walk around the ceiling, just trying to literally flip your perspective on something and imagine life that way. And so you're basically experiencing that in that house where it's it's built for a different kind of person, and it's totally fine. In fact, it's really nice at my grandparents' house to have wide doorways. Right. 
right. So Ben, since you've noticed this just among your friends and people that you hang out with, have you done anything to help yourself stay aware and even possibly help accommodate friends that again have different abilities? Yeah, um and I mean you can say disabled too. Like one of my one of my friends had a Facebook rant about just like like, oh my god, quit just call it what it is, right? Just keeping that humanity to it, you know? Like what what would it be like if, if I had to deal with this? But to specifically answer your question, like being the vice president of the board games club at my work, I have to schedule a lot of events because I'm super important. And, uh, you know, like when I pick a venue, I think about that now because my friend's going to show up. It's it's not something I ever thought about before. Is it? Have you ever, like, would you call ahead and say, if you're going to go to some plan a game at some bar, are you going to call ahead and say, hey, do you have XYZ access? Or do you just happen to, like, run through a checklist in your head well being uh, hopelessly addicted to board games i've actually went on a pilgrimage this last summer to go to every board game store in the twin cities area which is a much larger number than you might actually assume probably around 10 stores a couple open a couple closed so i have kind of this base knowledge to go on but you're right like if we did do like a bar or a restaurant or something i would hate to go to Somewhere that just had stairs and no ramp. But I feel like a lot of eating establishments, too, as long as it's a chain or something, are going to have general accommodations made. But, yeah, it's it's something that I think about now that I didn't think about before. I imagine it's harder to check for wheelchair access than food, like dietary needs <laughs> at restaurants. Oh, my God, that's a really good point. Because you call, you call a restaurant, and the teenager that answers the phone... It's like, they've been asked a million times whether or not there's gluten in their garbage. My wife works at a bakery, and people ask for, like, vegan cake. I mean, by the time you've gotten to vegan cake, I've lost all hope for your humanity. I mean, butter and eggs is cake. No offense to the vegans. Actually, I'm kind of jealous you can do that. I had a brief stint with a a gluten-free vegetarian, and so, like, every place that, like, not even, even if it wasn't, I wasn't planning a date. I was just going out on my own. I just checked in my head. Could she eat here? And then it was like, the answer was always no. Gluten-free <laughs> <laughs> vegetarian. Yeah. I, one of our co one of Carrie and I's coworkers is, uh, is she gluten-free? Yes, she She's is. Gluten-free vegetarian. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So she can have like milk and butter and some of the good stuff, but, and she goes to Whole Foods. Her, her food budget is double mine. Like that's, right. I wonder too, if, I should maybe ask some of my friends, like, I'm sure that the cost of living goes up at some point with, you know, anything that you do differently. If you go to, if you have to shop at Whole Foods, you know, you're spending so much more on groceries. I wonder what that's like for disabled people. If there's stuff that I wouldn't even think about. Custom made, like the fork that he uses at lunch is custom made with like a leather clip. Like that probably costs a shitload of money. (laughs) Right. Right. So my takeaway for all of us able-bodied persons without, I think, major food allergies, my takeaway is is to practice being more aware of of disabled persons or people with different abilities. And uh, well, one, I like your point of just like hang out with people, like just get to know people. I don't happen to know anyone that's wheelchair bound or anything like that. But yeah, just hang out with different people and, and consider different needs. And I like having that reminder. 
Well, because it can so easily turn into this creepy thing without it, without even you trying to do that, right? Like mm-hmm. meeting someone in a wheelchair, all of a sudden, all these thoughts come into your mind, and you shake their hand, and their hand is like stiff, and it fits differently than anyone else's, and maybe they talk funny, maybe their eyes look different ways, but like all these things start to rush through your mind and run through your mind, and you just gotta tell it to shut up, right? You've just gotta focus on that individual and learn about them as a person maybe they're not someone you could ever be friends with you know talk about the weather talk about whatever just be there and treat other humans like people too yeah that's a great last thought thank you ben okay so i'll start my segment i think it still follows that humans are people and in this on my in my topic international world leaders are also just people. So that's how I'm going to tie it into the rest of our theme this this week. But diplomacy under Trump. Like I said, last Thursday, the day before St. Patrick's Day, there was an Irish state visit. And there were four specific, just very small things. I'm admitting they're small things. But four specific mistakes that not all Trump, in fact, it was kind of the highlights, Pence, Trump, and Ryan all kind of made some mistakes. And my question is, how much does that matter? And then we might tie it into another state visit, like on Friday with Angela Merkel, and then whatever. We're going to maybe tie it into diplomacy in general. But so on Thursday, in the morning at breakfast, Pence, who identifies as Irish-American, greeted the Irish prime minister, whose name is Enda Kenny. I'm sure I didn't say that right, because I should have put on an Irish accent. Pence greeted him with top of the morning that oh my god no it's just not a thing it's like not a thing. right which all of irish twitter immediately acknowledged that oh my god i hadn't even heard that one that's what yeah. what yeah <laughs> so that's how the day started okay and then at lunchtime trump shared what he referred to as an irish proverb that uh, the proverb, or well, what he identified as a proverb was, always remember to forget the friends that proved untrue, but never forget to remember those that have stuck by you. And then, again, Irish Twitter was like, uh, I've never heard of that. And so there, there was a little bit of digging. And basically, it's almost definitely, well, it's definitely not a proverb. It's a poem. And it's almost definitely not Irish. It might be from a Nigerian poet, but Frank, but... Frankly, we can't necessarily identify the source. If you Google Irish uh, proverb, the second hit is like some random website of Irish phrases. And we don't know where they got their info from, but it appears to be from a cursory Google search. That The proverb or the poem was actually supplied by the State Department. And that seems to be the level of vetting they did. Right. Our State and Department? The, yes. Well, our State Department as staffed by Donald Trump. Right. And then, which is understaffed because he hasn't appointed many hundreds of positions are still open. And then the last two things. So Ryan, Paul Ryan made a joke that, quote, we went from a president who plays a lot of golf to a president who owns a lot of golf courses. That's about the closest thing you can get to royalty in Ireland, which so golf was actually invented in Scotland, which I don't think Ryan was trying to propose that Ireland invented golf. But again, is Ireland really known for golf? And then the last thing, 
which is just pretty funny. Ryan toasted his guests, and he said slancha, which is the right toast, and he pulled out a pre-poured pint of Guinness that was just didn't have the thick head of foam on top that is, you know, offensive to all Irish people. If you don't drink, it, it's not the right kind of Guinness. It needs to have the right head. Yeah, the Guinness they serve at the game stores I play doesn't have the head, so I'm, I'm disappointed. Oh, that's not good. I'm not much of a beer person, but I've I've been to the Guinness factory in Dublin, and I've had that, like, fresh pint of Guinness, and it's amazing. So I get it. I, oh my I god. Totally... Beer off the line? Best thing ever. Right. I got to go into Fulton and have a lonely blonde right off the line. All of you listeners looking for a good local brew from Minneapolis. It's good times. That's good. So again, like all of these four pieces are just, they're not that a big, that big of a deal on their own. The beer thing is like more of a joke than anything. And I'm sure someone will say, would we have raised any of these issues if it was a Democrat, Democratic president? Well, I, I think the beer joke would have definitely happened. And top of the morning would definitely annoy Irish people either way. So these are small things. But I, it's just like, meeting a new person. It's just like, frankly, like you were talking about meeting people who are different than you and just getting to know them as people and not as stereotypes, which is basically what I'm afraid this state visit, the Irish state visit indicated we're doing with our diplomacy. And that seems bad because if we stereotype just nations at large, we certainly can't have intimate diplomacy and like really complicated conversations with them. And I think the more you dismiss a person's actual identity, whether or not they're the prime minister of Ireland or a person in a wheelchair, the more likely you are to have conflict with them in the future. And that matters when it comes to talking to world leaders. So that's my case. I nodded my head a lot. Okay. And also, (laughs) I think you mentioned that you were a teacher in a previous life, correct? Yes. Definitely can see that. (laughs) <laughs> in a in a good way. Thanks. Man, it's so it's so interesting because I feel like this topic could also include like every single thing that he's also done anywhere in the world, right? Like the German chancellor or, or um Exactly. Exactly. So I I was going to talk about on Friday Angela Merkel came, which I really hope someone taught Donald Trump how to say her name right cuz a lot of Americans mess up that name. They call it Angela, right? Angela, which uh, you know, if you've only ever seen it written down and you're an American, okay, but it's Angela. Is it spelled like Angela? It's it looks just like Angela. Yeah, spelled like okay. Angela. That's names like that. I I like to learn and embrace, but also, like I'm from Minnesota, I say Andrea. Like people oh. in Texas say Andrea, and I get it. Like you're from Texas, and I'm obviously this is within a state, within a country. You get into diplomacy and this and that, but sometimes isn't it just an honest mistake? That's really funny you mentioned that name, because I had a student who was from Mexico whose name was spelled like that, and all the teachers called her Andrea. And I asked her one day, I said, is it Andrea or Andrea? And she just lit up that I said her name the right (laughs) way. So I called her by the right name for the right, like, of course I did. Yeah. It took literally two seconds of my time to say her name. Like, good gosh. But that's a good point. I mean, if you've never met someone before, you might mistake, you might pronounce their name incorrectly the first time but then they would correct you and then you call them by the right name no matter where you're from, right? So hypothetically, right. Ben, if you meet someone who says, I pronounce my name Andrea, 
you would call them Andrea. I don't know. It depends how much of a dick they are. I, I had well, a friend. They're really nice. Well, yeah, no, some little kid, yes. But like, I had a friend my age. Every single time I effed his name up, he'd be like, "No, it's Stefan." And I'd be like, "I'm so sorry. I accidentally spelt it with a ph, or I like it's just it was weird, and I couldn't get it right. And it, I wasn't even trying. And sometimes I tried because it really bothered him, and I'm kind of an asshole. But I mean." I'd be like Stephen, or st- and I just I would just slip of the tongue, right? I mean, I'm just playing devil's advocate that we all have our built-in presupposed things, and yes, the whole point of this podcast is to talk about how do we get over them and how do we accommodate and this and that. And I'm not advocating for someone to say top of the morning to an Irish person that's insane, but I mean, names are hard. But I guess that's my point, right? Is like, I don't think any of us, like, if you meet someone and you mess up their name the first time you meet them, no one's going to be pissed unless that person just is high strung. But I think it's definitive if it's a public figure, you know? Like, I don't think any of us, if we met Rihanna, would call her Rihanna because how many times have you heard the name Rihanna? Yeah. True. Although I didn't know how to say Beyonce's name, so. Ooh, how'd you see it? I, I think it's. It's Beyonce, but I think you call it the Bayhive. Yeah, it's the Beehive. Oh, whatever. <laughs> the Bayhive. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's it's with any public figure, right? So, like, if you, to your point, I mean, I think if you go to a press briefing or you go to a security briefing or you go to the the intel sessions that Trump should be having every day, they would hypothetically tell him it's pronounced Angela. And maybe he already knew that. Like, I'm not. Who knows what he? I'm. Let's give him the benefit of the doubt and say he knew her name. But to the larger point, again, did you see how he didn't shake her hand? And yeah, yeah, and people are saying, and possibly so, that he didn't hear that she was like not only Angela Merkel, but like other reporters were suggesting, why don't you do a handshake? Which, granted, that's what you do, Donald Trump. I've seen you do this with every person that's visited that office and sat in those chairs with you, you know you it's shake hands so up bad. and that. He right. grabs them and he doesn't let go. It's hilarious. Right. Actually, I, mean, I was so... curious... No, go ahead, Ben. I'm sorry. No, sorry. I'm just... I'm thinking about it, and, like, I just went on a little bit of a tangent rant exclaiming that I was an asshole who got people's names on purpose. And I didn't even do that in a tongue-in-cheek way, but to be honest, it sort of suggests what type of person wouldn't put that time in, right? Like, who wouldn't figure out someone's name well someone who's arrogant and doesn't care and doesn't think they're important and is a little bit of an asshole and i feel like we all have that potential within us but we're talking about public figures we're talking about the president of the united states right so yeah and keep in mind it's his job right so you can be an asshole in your private (laughs) life but you wouldn't turn around and treat your boss like that right and it's like being being around world leaders putting on a big a good face, being nice to people. That's his job. Well, I think plenty of people would say, and I would say too at certain times, it's not, yeah, the president needs to represent us in a way that Americans are proud of. But sometimes that includes being tough, right? He's the tough negotiator. That's the, that's the stance he wants to play in a global, in a global sense. So that's not just about being nice. And let's try to get back to the first question, which is, if dismissing, if just not paying attention to the small things that other countries are proud of, is that 
I mean, I think that's going to get us into more trouble. It takes 10 minutes of research to find an actual Irish proverb online, as opposed to 20 seconds of Googling. And maybe that seems unimportant, but I, I think that, I mean, even, I, yeah, sure, Obama probably didn't like Putin, but he probably, I don't know, knew what was, he could probably make small talk with him, at least, you know? You learn something about whoever you need to work with so that you can work with them, or at least that's what I, how I think diplomacy works. Right, and that's true in every situation, like just jobs and life and marriage and I mean you've got to meet people halfway right so why not meet them halfway why did this not happen I don't know I, I think that the whole top of the morning and Guinness and Nigerian poems thing I mean I, I don't think that we're going to start a war with Ireland because of any of those things I don't think we're going to lose our alliance I just think, to Ben's point, it's it's representative of the care that people are putting into those relationships. The fact that you can't spend a minute finding an actual Irish proverb, the fact that you don't ever ask someone if top of the morning is something Irish will actually say, it just kind of proves to the people watching it that you're not willing to put in the effort in the first place. And so if you're not willing to put in the effort in your first state visit, which should be the easiest visit you have... Is it going to get better? Right. And it doesn't give a lot of confidence to that. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, this is maybe beside the point, but what Carrie was saying about Trump not shaking Angela Merkel's hand, I did that feel at all gendered to you? I was anxious for to see him shake her hand because he has that weird handshake where he, it's, it's very dominating, where he pulls you in. Mm. And I wanted to see if he would do that to Angela Merkel. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, and unfortunately, it's not like we have a lot of female world leaders. So it's not like there's going to be another one there tomorrow, so we can compare. Right. The hand. It's well, Theresa May. I mean, she came and visited him, and there's a picture of them where, like, he kind of has his arm up for her to hold it while they walk, but they ended up in this like weird handhold position. So I think that was just awkward. Like, they're maybe they were both trying to be like friendly, but they didn't quite know how to like physically do that yet. Just because they're, you know, had just met, mm-hmm. and, and to be to be fair, Trump did shake Angela Merkel's hand at other points in the day, just not at that one specific moment. And I don't quite know why, but I, I do think it was, I don't know, yeah, uh, quietly think, insulting. Do you think it was posturing? Well, it seemed like, from my understanding of the day, that was kind of after they had actually talked, and probably disagreed on some things and so it was like you don't deserve my handshake at that point i realize it's that's speculative and and trump's a media mogul i mean he understands that people are going to be a lot more caught up on him not shaking a hand while there's 50 cameras in front of them than they are about him shaking a hand when there's one camera in front of them yeah that's true that's true like, do you think any part of that was calculated because he wanted people talking about him not shaking her hand instead of anything else that actually happened that day or didn't happen? Yeah. Conspiracy theory time. Yeah, I don't know. He's so hard to figure I out. Show. I know. Like, I feel like if you just get your brain into the simplest place possible, it makes 
all the sense in the world. Or if you put your brain into the most calculated, brilliant, evil genius place possible. You can make either version make sense. Right. But they're also so incredibly similar. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, Trump's handshake is worth money to him. It is good, it is awesome, and you don't get a handshake right now, because handshake good, you bad, so no handshake for you. Or, you know, put on your tinfoil hat, and yeah. I wonder if in the future Disney version of this presidency, you know, decades later, they'll um, fashion Trump in the guise of a subversive, effeminate villain. (laughs) Oh yeah, he'll definitely be tripping and uh, yeah, that's completely accurate. <laughs> oh, that'd be so upsetting to him, and it would be upsetting if we hadn't progressed in terms of gay representation at that point. Yeah, but... that's the gays. The gays love me. Anyone else remember when he said that? Oh my God. I remember that. <laughs> I have no idea. <sighs> well, he had that pathetic-looking rainbow flag that someone wrote in magic marker LGBTs, like. Uh... That was For such the win a sad... He just, like, someone just... I don't know where he got the flag from, but it was just... It was probably one of the 20 that's hanging in outside of Mike Pence's house right now. Oh. oh that's, that's... It would be easy to grab one from there. Yeah, yeah, good for them. Well, like, every every single person on the block that Mike Pence lives has a rainbow flag in front of their house. Oh. Good for them. Yeah, yeah and it's become a little bit of an internet meme as well. You can find pictures of gay Mike Pence all over the place. Well, there's an actual there's an actual version of gay Mike Pence. There's a man that yeah. looks like him that happens to be a gay man, and he just walks around New York City in booty shorts and like takes donations for HRC, <laughs> the, the human rights campaign, which is very exciting. Yeah. Okay, we have to wrap up the topic of diplomacy. So basically, I'm concerned at the nonchalance with which we seem to be approaching diplomacy from the level of saying top of the morning which is a mistake up to dismissing world leaders for seemingly uh just snide purposes and i don't know basically i think the little stuff matters and i hope we take it a bit more seriously and I don't think either one of you are going to disagree with me there, but no, I, I think no. you that's that's good. And I think that oddly, the lesson here is don't follow the leader, right? Like, be better than the influence that we see on TV. Be better than what's handed down to us. I'll even say by like our parents and our grandparents. Like, I came from a very racist uh, family. I did, and I it took me years to overcome things that I thought were normal and reshape the way that I thought and it got me in a lot of trouble and <laughs> it was hard but now that I'm here like you've got to fight against that sometimes you've got to take a stand somewhere and humans are people too you know we gotta be better than the example set before us or nothing will get changed in the world so just treat people with with respect and take take the 10 seconds it takes to get to know them before you assume anything else about them. 11 seconds if you're Googling. There you go. Okay. (laughs) All right. Let's move to what gives us hope. 
Carrie, why don't you start? Okay. Um, so I don't know if this is really what gives me hope because I haven't seen it yet. But now that I've broken my non-movie going streak, which I think like a month is the longest time I haven't gone without seeing a movie, which should wow. say something in and of itself. But now that I've seen Beauty and the Beast, I really want to go see Get Out. Oh, um, yes, me too. You've seen it or you've heard of it. But it sounds, it just sounds incredibly interesting, and I am super excited to see that, so I might talk about that next week once I've seen it. That'd be awesome. To be honest, I don't want to see it because I'm afraid of horror movies, but I have read so much about it, because I, I know that it is evidently awesome, and I might one day watch it on mute while I slowly, um, like, you pause it, and then you do, move it, like, one frame at a time through all the scary stuff. That's how I watch horror movies. Yeah. It takes me, like, three days to finish a horror movie. Yeah, huh. well, that's that's why I haven't seen it yet because I am a huge scaredy cat when it comes to horror movies. So I'll probably watch it at like eleven a.m. in the morning in a not so dark movie theater. Right. But I, I think it'll be really good. Amy, yeah. your version of watching horror movies sounds like the way that my wife and I stomached through the Star Wars Christmas special, <laughs> which is a horrible movie. It's 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 so bad. I've seen it. Yeah. Carrie's like, don't you don't have to tell me. Um, okay, I'll do what's giving me hope next. So I always have a bunch of things, but it, it's a happy thing, so I don't... I'm, whatever, I'm going to do three. Um, the first one... So the theme to all of these is that I did not have a good week last week. It was just, for various reasons, just, just not good. But um, at some point in the middle of the week, I saw that video of that goofy dog named Ollie... Um, oh doing the rescue dog yeah. agility course at Crufts, That's which is dog. some British dog show. Oh my gosh. I was, yes, I was in such a terrible mood and I just laughed out loud watching this cute little puppy. Just, just eat it hard, first of all, like first thing out of the gate. <laughs> and then, I don't know, run around and be adorable and do everything wrong and just be so happy. And I'm glad for that dog. So thank you, Ollie. And then, um, a little bit more seriously, hope for the world. Uh, the Netherlands had uh, elections this past week, and uh, Geert Wilders, which I don't think I said that name right, but I think I'm close, who was the far-right candidate, the populist, he did not pick up as many seats as expected, and the center-right party remained in control of the parliament. So that's great and somewhat promising. And then the last thing, like I said, I didn't have a good week. The last thing, so... I had a lot of trouble with uh, projects at work last week, but I realized that despite, like, practical issues with the stuff I needed to fix, my colleagues are awesome colleagues, and they're all wonderful, and they were all super kind, and, like, none of my bad week had anything to do with the people that I spent it with. So I'm hopeful for the world because of the Netherlands, and I'm hopeful for my life because of that silly dog and the people that that I get to work with every day. It actually reminded me of teaching, where... The hardest part of my job never had anything to do with kids. Like, the kids were hard sometimes, but the kids were also the, like, best thing that kept me at it all the time. So I felt like that with my colleagues nice. last week, and I was grateful for it. So now, Ben, you can finish. I'm completely hopeless. No, I um, actually was thinking to echo a little bit about what you said with just keeping it together. I had... We just went through layoffs at work and 
I kind of hit bottom, right? But I just put it all out there, and sometimes it just is good to just barf it all up, right? Like, I mean, I'm not pro-complaining, but I am pro, like, saying what's honestly and truthfully on your mind to someone that, like, it matters that they hear you. So I had an hour meeting with my boss's boss, and I'm just like, what am I doing here? Like, what is going on with this company? And I I have a lot of hope going forward because he, like, listened to me, and he didn't just get mad. He didn't just shove some of that business talk back down my throat like all the like big meetings I had been in had done like he just met me as a real person and he's like you know when I was starting out and we were eating cereal with water and like whatever like he just like met me and I don't know like to have like someone in authority that you can trust because you gave them something and they were honest and good with it that gave me a lot of hope for working at a place that I was really down about so I guess my hope for the world is that there are still a lot of good people you can connect to and maybe that person's not where you are now Um, and maybe you've got to find somewhere that gives you that satisfaction but yeah just have hope that it's there and it is findable yeah, sweet. Thank you so much, Ben. It was my pleasure being on. Thanks for having me. Yeah, no, me. thank you so much for joining us. This was this was great to bring on someone that I didn't happen to know. That was wonderful. Yeah, I wasn't nearly as annoying as I was planning on being. I, <laughs> I, I was going to like blurt out, what's your favorite Star Wars in the middle of your topic, Amy? But I just thought that'd be nice. You seem nice. <laughs> thank you. I, <laughs> Um, nice but not terribly fun that's how I put it I'm fun yeah. but yeah. no I get that I can I completely see that I'm not like goofy <laughs> not like Ollie not like the cute puppy Ollie alright well uh, our credits are normal this week we have to thank Zencaster to be our, as our call and recording platform Crazy Glue is, is our intro music by Josh Woodward and Love Wins is our outro by Lee Rosevear. Thank you all for listening. We will uh, talk to you next week. Bye. 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 Bye.